So last Saturday on November 19th, my son Judah turned five years old. And uh, I asked him, you know, before his birthday, I said, Judah, what do you want for your birthday? And one of the things he said he wanted was a remote-controlled car. And so as a five-year-old little boy um, wanting a remote-controlled car, I went on Amazon and I began to do a little hunting for what a five-year-old boy might need in a remote-controlled car. And uh, what I tried to focus on was both affordability and durability, right? Affordability and durability. I needed something. I wasn't going to break the bank because truly I didn't know if he would actually like it, if he would really enjoy a remote-controlled car. But on the other hand, I was also looking for durability, hoping that I wasn't going to buy something that would break the same day he opened it, right? So I was focusing on both affordability and durability, and here actually is the remote-controlled car uh, that I got for Judah for his birthday. I got his permission to use it um, and to borrow it here this morning. Um, But so far, I've been really pleased with this remote control car. It's lasted now eight days, and it's proven to be um, quite durable and, um, and pretty good. See, check it out. It's durable. Um, the one drawback, though, to this remote control car, as we've played with it over the week, and Judah has played with it too, I promise, um, but the one thing I have found, the one downside to this remote control car is its battery life. So I have to turn it off before the battery dies. What, what I found is that this particular remote control car, on a full charge, it lasts maybe 10 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> this thing lasts only about 10 minutes, and then the battery is dead. And as I played with this remote control car, and as Judah played with this remote control car this week, Over and over again, my mind kept drawing back to John chapter 15, our passage for this morning. Uh, What we're going to see this morning is that you and I actually have a lot in common with Judah's remote-controlled car. I want you to open your Bibles up to John chapter 15, and we're going to see actually five lessons, five lessons that we can learn from John chapter 15 that also correspond with five lessons I learned this week about this remote control car. And the first lesson is this. I'm going to give you the first one as you're opening your Bibles. The first lesson is this. If we're going to follow Jesus in a fallen world, and that's what this series is entitled, if we're going to follow Jesus in a fallen world, then that very task has the potential to zap us of our energy. That our batteries can easily get depleted because following Jesus in a fallen world is not as easy as we might think it is. Listen, I recognize that you might come to church and feel energized for about 10 minutes. But then you go out into the real world, Monday comes, and you have nothing left in the battery. And so a question we're going to ask as we look at John chapter 15 is, how do we sustain ourselves? How do we recharge our batteries when we follow Jesus in a fallen world and it becomes more and more challenging? Well, let's look at the passage and see the other four lessons that we can learn. Uh, There on your outline, you can see three major things we're going to look at in terms of how I broke down the text First, we're going to see the picture of abiding. Second, we'll see the product of of abiding. 
And then third, we'll talk about the practice of abiding today. So grab your Bibles, open up to John chapter 15, and let me read for you first verse one as we look at number one on your outline, the picture of abiding. Now Jesus says here, speaking to his disciples, and again, remember it's possible that at this point they've left the upper room and they're now walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus says to his disciples here, John chapter 15, verse one, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now this is one of those I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the gospel of John. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Now here Jesus is using a metaphor, he's using a picture that his disciples would have been very familiar with, but for you and I, not so much. And so we're going to have to unpack Jesus' metaphor here just a bit. But Jesus presents this picture, this image of a vineyard, of a grapevine, and he says, my father is the gardener. That God the father is the gardener, and he, Jesus, is the true vine. And starting in verse 2, we see that the disciples of Jesus are the branches of this vine. Notice John chapter 15, verse 2. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it might bear more fruit. Now, what I want you to notice here in verse 2 is that there are branches that do not bear fruit, and then there are branches that do bear fruit. And Jesus uses this metaphor, this image, to describe what God the Father does to those branches that don't bear fruit and to the branches that do bear fruit. And notice he says here, for the branches that do not bear fruit, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, God the Father, takes away. Now, different translations you might have in your hand, there might be a footnote next to that word takes away, because you can also translate this particular word as lifts up or elevates. Lifts up, lifts up or elevates. And in ancient Israel, it was common for a vine dresser to lift up or elevate from off the ground the grapevines, so that they would be in a position to bear fruit. So a vine dresser would lift the vine off of the ground. He would elevate them and put them onto stakes or a trellis so that those grapevines would be able to grow and produce fruit. What I think this means is that God, the vine dresser here, when someone is not producing the fruit that God intends in our life, he can elevate or lift us up so we're in a position to be fruitful. Now, real practically, this can take many different forms. This might look like discipline in our life. It might look like encouragement in our life. But the purpose is to put us in the place so that we will indeed bear fruit. Now, the second branch Jesus talks about here are those branches that do bear fruit. Notice the second part of verse 2. 
He says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And he says to his disciples, you are already clean or pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. So here Jesus now addresses these branches, these disciples who do bear fruit. And notice he says the vine dresser does two things. He prunes and he cleans. And a vine dresser in Israel would know that pruning and cleaning were essential practices for a vine to produce much fruit. The vine dresser would frequently come to his grapes and he would prune them and clean them so that they might bear as much fruit as possible. And this, Jesus says, is what God the Father does for us. He prunes us, he cleans us so that we can produce much fruit. I want you to notice also there in verse three, Jesus speaking to his disciples says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So what's Jesus' point in this somewhat confusing metaphor? I want you to notice verses 4 and 5. Jesus says here to his disciples, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So here Jesus explains the point of this metaphor in speaking to his disciples. Just like a branch cannot bear fruit unless it's connected to the vine, Jesus says, so you, my disciples, cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me, unless you're connected to me. In fact, notice he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't produce fruit. Simply put, that's the point Jesus is making here. The branch doesn't produce the fruit, it's incapable What the branch does is takes the life of the vine and the vine is the thing that produces the fruit in the branch. That's Jesus' point. What the branch does, the responsibility of the branch is to abide. Notice again, verse four, Jesus says, abide in me unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. The key word of this entire passage is that word abide. It's used 11 times in these 10 verses. It's used 40 times in the entire gospel. That word abide simply means to continue, to remain, or to dwell. It means to stay put it in common vernacular, it means to hang around for a while, to chill for a little bit. It means to be constantly connected, not just occasionally visiting. Because if Jesus is going to reproduce his life in us, then we have to abide in him. The life of the vine is reproduced in the fruit of the branch. And then notice what Jesus says there in verse 6. 
He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now let me explain verse 6 here for just a second. Um, There is a ton of ink spilled over what Jesus means here in verse six. And there's three major options. Let me give you the three major options. Uh, Option number one, with which we would disagree here at Grace Bible Church, is that Jesus is talking about people who are losing their salvation, people who have lost their salvation. And so they were saved, but because they weren't abiding in the vine, they're cut off and they are tossed into the fire. They've lost their salvation. Now, the reason we wouldn't agree with this here at Grace is because uh, one of the principles of Bible study is you need to interpret confusing passages in light of the more clear passages. And there are a whole lot of clear passages that say you can't lose your salvation that no one can take you out of the Father's hand, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And so for that reason, we would reject this option. Uh, The second interpretive option about what Jesus means here in verse 6 is these are describing people who think they're saved, but they're not really saved. So they think they're abiding, but they're not really abiding. They think they're saved, but they're not. Uh, But the third option is that Jesus is here describing ultimately Christians who are legitimate Christians, uh, but they're judged, that they lose rewards, that they don't live the life that God intends for them to live. And uh, the third option is the one that I lean towards, uh, recognizing, of course, that it, that it also has some unclear points about it. But here's the thing, on a real practical level, Whatever interpretive option uh, is right, I think it's clear, and all three would say, you definitely don't want to be one of the branches that doesn't abide, right? The one thing all interpreters can agree on is that whatever Jesus is describing here, it's a bad thing. And the answer is to abide rather than to not abide, Now, as I said before, most of us don't have a ton of experience when it comes to working in vineyards. So let me return back to Judah's remote-controlled truck and explain it in terms that at least I can understand. So one of the things I learned over the last week was that the battery life in this remote-controlled truck was quite weak. But thankfully, it came with two batteries, Okay, so it didn't just come with one battery. I was actually surprised. It actually came with two batteries. So when I learned that the battery capacity of this remote control truck was really short-lived, it could last only about 10 minutes, what I immediately began to do was to make sure that one of those batteries was constantly being charged, right? And I learned that as long as one of the batteries was being charged, then it didn't really matter that the capacity was only about 10 minutes as long as I stayed plugged in. As long as the battery was abiding in the charger, then it didn't really matter that the capacity was only about 10 minutes. And so the second lesson that we see here in John 15, the second lesson I learned along with this remote control truck is that we have to stay plugged in. We have to abide. 
Really, the key to the entire passage, like I said, is that word abide. You and I, what Jesus is asking us to do more than anything else is to abide in him. It's not going to work for us to just plug in from time to time. It's not sustainable for us if we're going to follow Jesus in a fallen world to just uh, plug in from time to time because that's going to deplete our energy. We have to stay plugged in. We have to abide in Jesus. This means we need to be in his word. We need to be communing with him in prayer. We need to be spending time with his people. The second lesson we see is that if we're going to follow Jesus in a fallen world, then we need to abide in him. The third lesson we also see in these verses, and that is if we abide in Jesus, if we stay plugged into him, then he will produce the fruit. Notice, it's our responsibility to abide. It's his to produce the fruit. And all week long, Judah would come to me and he'd say, Dad, my battery's dead. He'd come to me and say, Dad, my battery's dead. But then I, as his father, would supply him with a newly charged one. And listen, God doesn't want you to be dead. He wants you to produce fruit. He wants to produce fruit in you. And God, the Father of the vine dressers, desires fruit in you. And notice, I want you to see this in these verses. Not only does God the Father desire fruit in you, not only will he produce that fruit in you, but he wants you to be more fruitful and even much fruit. Notice in verse 2, Jesus says fruit. At the end of verse 2, he says more fruit. And at the end of verse 5, he says much fruit. There's this progression. There's this growth that God wants in each and every one of us. The product God is looking for in our life is not just to produce fruit or more fruit, but much fruit. And so with that, let's take a look at number two on your outline. What is the product, what is the fruit that God will produce in our life? Let me read for you John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. Jesus says, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now I want you to notice the if-then that Jesus puts forth in these verses. If you do this, then this is what will happen. If you Verse 7, abide in me and my words in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then notice verse 10, if you keep my commandments, then you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. But as we really condense what Jesus is saying here in these verses, if we abide in him, then there's three major products, three major fruits that God will bring to our life. The first one is our prayers will be answered. This is verse 7. 
Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now we need to be careful here. This does not mean that God is our genie who gives us whatever we want, right? I think we have to understand this promise in the context. Jesus here is talking about the fruit, the product in our life. And if we ask God of things that are in line with his will, then he will produce that product in our life. That our prayers are not to be selfish prayers, but prayers that are in alignment with his will. The second major product we see here that God will bring forth in our life is that he will be glorified. Notice verse 8. Jesus says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Listen, I hope that every one of you in this room, those of you watching online, that you want your life to glorify God. We see here, Jesus say, uh, says, he promises that uh, God will glorify himself through you if you abide in him. He will produce that fruit that glorifies him in your life. That he delights. He's glorified in seeing the life of Jesus reproduced in each and every one of us. The third major product we see here in these verses is that love is grown. This is in verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, Just as the Father has loved me and I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We see here one of the qualities that the Lord desires in each and every one of us the product that he's looking for is love, a Christian love. And because God is love, that's the essence of his character. If we abide in Jesus, then the love of Jesus is reproduced in our life as well. So we see here these three incredible promises Jesus makes that if we abide in him, our prayers that are in aligned with his will will be answered, that God will be glorified in us and through us, and that love will be manifest in us as well. Now back to Judah's remote control car for just a second. Um, for the last week, as Judah was coming to me and he was saying, Dad, um, the battery is dying. Uh, and I would put this new battery, this recharged battery, back into the, the remote control car. I'd have to get my little uh, screwdriver and open up the battery compartment and put in the freshly charged battery. But at some point, I thought to myself, I wonder if I can upgrade this battery. <laughs> I wonder if I could go back on Amazon and buy a battery that has a little bit bigger capacity. And sure enough, I went on Amazon and I found a battery that had four times the capacity. It had four times the charge, four times the life in it. It was a supercharged battery. Now real quick, let me ask you a question. Is a remote-controlled car with a dead battery still a remote-controlled car. Yeah, it's just not very much fun, right? It doesn't do what it was designed to do. Is a remote-controlled car with a 10-minute capacity still a remote-controlled car? Yeah. Again, it's just not as much fun as it could be. But what about a remote-controlled car with the 10 times, or four times, supercharged capacity battery? That's a fun remote-controlled car, right? 
And just like Judah's remote control car, God doesn't want us to be dead. He doesn't want us to live a weak life. He wants us to live a supercharged life, to produce a life that's gonna bring about joy in us. God wants every one of us to live a life that he knows will produce the maximum amount of joy in us. And so back to the third lesson there. The third lesson, you can add on the statement, if we play, stay plugged into Jesus, if we abide in him, then God will produce that fruit in us, but it's not just fruit, it's supercharged fruit or the much fruit that Jesus talks about here. But what we do, what our responsibility is, is to abide. And it's to that question of, abiding that I now want to turn your attention as we look at number three on your outline. How do we abide in the vine today? Because like I said earlier, you might come to church and feel energized for about 10 minutes, but then Monday's going to come around and your batteries are going to get depleted. But what we see here in this passage is that the Lord desires in us a life that bears much fruit. The struggle that you and I face, that we all face, is that as we go out into the real world, other things begin to get in the way, right? We know that there's this life of joy, of abiding in Jesus that is offered to us. And the struggle we all feel is that when we go into the real world, we start abiding more in the world than we do in Jesus, right? And over time, then, we've all developed these things that get in the way of God producing his fruit in us. So let me tell you what happened with Judah's remote control car. Again, you're going to think I'm making this up. I promise this is true. Um, But I went on Amazon. I bought this four times the capacity battery. And when it came in the mail, I got my little screwdriver and I opened up the battery compartment. And when I went to put in the larger capacity battery, I noticed that it was just a bit too big to fit in the remote control car. The larger capacity battery wouldn't fit in the remote control car. And so I began to study it a little bit and I noticed that here on the insides of the remote control car, there was just a little bit of extra plastic. And so what I did is I got a knife and I began to very skillfully trim that little bit of extra plastic so I could fit inside the larger capacity battery. And as a skilled physician, I began to just trim away that plastic. And sure enough, once I trimmed away the unnecessary plastic, I put in the larger capacity battery. And now we have a supercharged remote control truck. It's doing what it's designed to do now only with a much larger capacity. And that's exactly what Jesus says. Notice again, John chapter 15, verse 2. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Jesus prunes away the things in our life, the unnecessary plastic so that he can put inside of us that supercharged capacity that only comes from him. That's the fourth lesson we see here. As we abide in Jesus, 
The Father will trim away those unnecessary things in our life that are getting in the way of him producing this fruit inside of each and every one of us. He prunes. He trims away. But the question is, again, the thing we all struggle with, is it worth it? Are we going to submit ourselves over to the Father to trim away those things in our life so that we can actually live the life he intends for us? The life that he knows will produce the maximum amount of joy in us. I want you to look again at verse 11. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. The truth is, we all want joy. Joy is, is a desire of every human being. We all want joy. Thomas Aquinas said, man cannot live without joy. Therefore, when he is deprived of true spiritual joys, it's necessary that he become addicted to carnal pleasures. In other words, if we're not living the life God intended for us, this life of joy, then it's inevitable that we're going to look to carnal pleasures to try to fill that joy, to bring that joy in our life. But we all know that it's never going to satisfy That's why C.S. Lewis said that sometimes I wonder whether all pleasures are not substitutes for joy, right? Everything we pursue, every birthday gift, every gift under the tree is promising to produce some sort of joy in us, but none of it's going to deliver. So the question is, are we going to submit ourselves to the pruning hand of the Father to cut these false joys out of our life. I love what Oswald Chambers prayed. He said, Lord, take away from me all joy which does not come directly from the Lord Jesus. What a great prayer. Lord, take away from me all joy, quote unquote, which does not come directly from the Lord Jesus. Here's the fifth lesson, the final lesson for us. If you abide in Jesus, he will supply true joy. Notice again, verse 11, he says, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Now, joy does not mean that every day is easy. It doesn't mean that it's filled with laughter of supercharged remote control cars. But joy does mean that Jesus is greater and more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. And as a result, he brings us, notice again verse 11, he brings us into his joy. And as a result, our life is supercharged. But the one thing we're asked to do here, God does all the work. He brings the growth. He reproduces all of us and us. He gives us this supercharged life. The one thing you and I are told to do in this passage is to abide. To abide in Jesus. And we are entering into a busy season. I know each and every one of you, your calendar is full. 
And so the one thing I have for you this week is simply to ask yourself, how are you going to proactively abide in Jesus? And do you see a corresponding level of fruitfulness in your life? What practical things can you do to abide in Jesus, to spend time with him? Just like if you want to cultivate your relationship with your spouse or best friend, you have to spend quality and quantity time with them. So it is in our relationship with Jesus. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, what we see here in John chapter 15 is that God wants you to live a life of maximum joy, of supercharged fruit. The five lessons we see here is that number one, it's going to be challenging. If we're going to follow Jesus in a fallen world, it's not going to be easy. I promise you that. So the second thing is we have to stay plugged into him. We have to abide in him. Because the third thing we see here is that God does not want us to be dead. He wants to produce not only some fruit, but much fruit in us, supercharged fruit. And in order to do that, he's going to have to trim away some of those things in our life that are unnecessary. But then the great promise we see here in John chapter 15 is that we get to experience true joy. The true joy of abiding in our relationship with our Savior as we follow Jesus in a fallen world. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you uh, for the joy that you offer to us. Uh, Father, thank you for your skill and your care in our life. Thank you that you desire that not only do we have a relationship with you, but we have a supercharged relationship with you. That we live a life that produces fruit for you, that glorifies you. That we live a life of joy, of relationship. And so, Father, help us to abide in Jesus. Help us to spend quality time with him. Help us, Father, to live out the life of Jesus in us and through us. And Father, I ask this for each one here. I ask this for myself, for those watching online, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.